0: Emily, we're back. We're we've, back. We've taken I mean, if you're listening, people wouldn't notice, right? Know. But <laughs> I feel like it's been between school starting and other things popping up, like we just haven't been together in a while. So like what what's going on? What's new? Like what's happening?
1: In my life or in my deconstruction? Oof. Either one. Uh, I mean, I started my first year teaching, so that was a really exciting thing. Okay. It's going pretty well. My students yeah. are really fun. I love that. hmm Um, deconstruction-wise, actually, you know what? Let's just be really vulnerable. It's been kind of, like, not a great time in okay. deconstruction. Like, I just, it just felt kind of, uh, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. <laughs> I felt kind of lost.
0: Okay. Lo- like, Go oh, yeah, continue. I
1: feel like. My deconstruction often goes in like, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like almost there. Like I'm freaking about to nail it and know exactly what I think. And then just, I just like, Mm. (laughs) and then I go back and it's like, it's like these waves and I'm just ready to not be in this like turmoil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like exhausting. Like, is that what you feel right now? Is it just like, you're tired of swimming the waves of deconstructing. You're just tired.
1: Yeah. Mm. And it, but it's more but the waves, the like, this analogy, it's like the bottom part of the wave, you know, is like <laughs> the valley of the wave is like, <laughs> is frustrating because you thought that the waves might be over soon.
0: Right. When yeah. you were at
1: the top. And so that's, I think, it's exhausting, but it's also like disheartening.
0: Mm. Well, hey, just super psyched you're here to talk about deconstruction. <laughs> Glad that I can help. Oh.
1: Um, <laughs> but we're, I think we're going to get into something. I think we can kind of come back to that, but there's a little bit. Yeah. That was my honest update. Yeah. Um. Okay. So people listening slash watching this will be like that happened a while ago, team, or maybe they didn't hear about it, but we were texting this week about what happened with Matt Chandler.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't know who Matt Chandler is, he was, he's like a huge deal in the reform circles.
0: Yeah. Like, do you have like a favorite Matt Chandler book?
1: I have not read any Matt Chandler book. Okay. No, I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> Matt Chandler's a Reformed Baptist, so fair, okay, he's a dunker, enough. so we don't listen to them.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough.
1: <laughs> you kind of think I'm joking, but...
0: I don't think you're joking at all. <laughs> you, I know you're not joking because you said it before you started recording, and that's when I thought it was a joke. And then you said it, and it was like, oh, she for sure thinks this.
1: No, yeah, like, I was like, well, Matt Chandler's, like, cool, but, like, you know, I can't Fully trust
0: him, can't trust some of the dunks on people anyway.
1: anyway, Um, but he was he's like Matt Chandler is like mainstream enough that even like mainstream evangelicals know him. But also, if you love Matt Chandler, you're probably about to become a neo Calvinist. Mm. (laughs) Your favorite term, my favorite term. Um, but anyway, so it came out, I don't even know, I think I don't know how I heard about it. I think I saw a tweet. Um, but it came out like that he was stepping down from ministry indefinitely because of an inappropriate online relationship he had with a woman. Right. And that's our update. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> cool. Uh, this is interesting. It's been, it sparked a lot of interesting conversations. One, I was like, I never loved Matt Chandler, but I got very frustrated a little bit ago when he like posted that viral thing that was like this sexy fad of deconstruction. Right, like I was like, "Shut up!" Like, make it more clear to me that you've never spoken to anyone who's deconstructing.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty. I mean, I hopped on the trend and made my own stitch of the, yeah. the video, right? So, but what is interesting about it, what I think resonated, or didn't resonate with people it was like it was completely tone deaf to what the art or what the process and journey is like it was in the whole clip sounds better than the sound bite people take out of it but i will say like it was pretty tone deaf it was just like hey if you're doing this you just haven't actually met jesus and that's like couldn't be far from the truth for most of the people i've had this kind com- like a deconstruction conversation with
1: and that is like I kind of want to go into, do we need to say, I mean, we kind of ended up not saying that much about it, but I want to talk about that comment that he made about that you haven't really met Jesus.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, let's dive into it.
1: Okay, great. Um, I was like, do we need to go back and wrap anything up? It's fine. Uh, that quote, when I heard it, it made me so freaking angry because I was like, you have no idea, like. To me, it negates all the experience that anyone who has deconstructed has ever had. To to me, it feels like he's saying anything positive that you had in your church upbringing. If you're deconstructing, you have to throw it away because that wasn't really Jesus.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is like, but it, but it also gets in your head. Like I saw it and I was like, "Mm," like I'm sure I tweeted like, what a dumbass or something. (laughs) Like you know, I think I tweeted please don't talk about deconstruction from the pulpit. If you've never talked to someone deconstructing. Yeah. Just kind of sassy. But, um, <laughs> but I, I remember it getting in my brain a little bit though of like, well, is that it? Like it, it not at me.
0: Yeah. So what about like, cause maybe other people, I mean, it's really popular. So if you're like, you're in the Christian circle, you may have seen this clip and maybe watch the whole video or whatever. But like, yeah. what about it? continue to not you because like i i'm i'm with you i'm not like a i'm not a fan of this statement but like what about it was because for you like you maybe have more skin in the game than i do in some ways because like you're exhausted in the midst of deconstruction right Mm -hmm. and you hear a thing like that um that really is kind of chopping your feet out from under you is kind of essentially what he's trying to do right and so what about the whole from an emily perspective is gnawing at you in that
1: because he, ex- what he said, he said with authority a fear that I think a lot of people deconstructing already have, mm. which is maybe if I did experience the real Jesus, I wouldn't be feeling this way. When in reality, I can have like a 50,000 foot view. What's yeah. the yeah. typical number that they use?
0: I usually go 500,000 foot view.
1: Not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> to say like, <laughs> I can say, okay, no, this is actually because I know the real Jesus yeah. That I am on this journey. But when he said that, it just like irked me. But the reason why I wanted to bring that up today is because I think the idea of experiencing Jesus is very intriguing to me. Mm. I, I have a really good friend who comes from a very charismatic background, and he is very much like he's like, even if I don't know anything else, I know the experiences I had with God in the, like in this charismatic of like, whether I was crying or I felt the spirit or I spoke in tongues, like all this stuff. And he asked me, he said, do you have experiences like that that you can hold on to? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't like, maybe not like, I have moments where it felt really real and really beautiful. And like, I have moments, but it's like, I, he, he, like, he, he keeps telling me like, you need to get out of your head and just sit with the experience. Mm. But I don't trust experience Yeah. because growing, we hit on this in season two. Yeah. We were like, but I think we can go more like fully into it of like, I, the idea of like experiencing the Holy Spirit, If we're just going to be on, I'm in an honest mood today. Um,
0: (laughs) You usually not. Have you been lying? (laughs) The whole
1: time. (laughs) I got you guys so good. Um, (laughs) Sick burn. Like, I mean, I guess like I'm feeling really blunt today is what I meant. Like I feel like a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I feel like it's fake.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting um, about this is like, and I would go back to even the, the Matt Chandler thing, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think there's there's harm that can be done and I would be fearful of any time you, some would say like this is how you have to have experienced something mm. for it to be the way that it's true, right? And so talking with your friend, um, like the way they experience God isn't necessarily the same way that you do. And I think as you were talking my mind immediately went back to the ex- exact same conversation we had as um, we had talked a little bit about like how you're much more cerebral in how you experience God in mm-hmm. the way that you process scripture, right? Like that's how you experience God. And it's less of, and I'm putting words in your mouth here, but like less is nudges of the Holy spirit or like these moments in worship where you like feel the presence of God envelop you. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, like I remember in the midst of that conversation, I said something to the effect, maybe this wasn't even an episode, just a conversation we had, but I, I said something to the effect of like over theologizing, I think can be like a tool of the devil. Cause it like gets us in our own minds. Right. And we're like trying to dive deep. And then you on the other side was like, well, I actually really enjoy that. And that's how I feel the closest to God is like Mm. being able to dive into that. And I think in terms of the Holy Spirit and the conversation you're having, I think if we believe God is infinite and complex and has all these ways to encounter us, um, but then we limit the Holy Spirit to being like the only way that God in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit can interact with me is through these like through tongues or through worship, like or all these sorts of things. Like I think that's limiting God in that regard. And so so I don't know. So hands your I don't know if you asked a question or not and I just started talking, but I don't think the Holy Spirit's fake. Uh.
1: And then I don't either. <laughs> I just like I I heard about this like conversation yesterday where like I just I was taught to be cynical of this, but it just hasn't gone away and I wish it would a little bit, but it's like I remember being at apologetics camp because I'm really cool. And we had one charismatic night. <laughs> <It's> not...
0: <laughs> like to combat it or you learned about it? Like
1: No, like it was like, it was like pro. Okay. Like It was like, like a charismatic guy came and like okay. led us through the experience. Like there was an altar call, which is something I never experienced, like all that. And so there was an altar call and he just was talking. It was a weird talk where he was like, this is the time I've been attracted to women other than my wife. So I was like. I don't know if I really need to hear about this. Like, sure. That's cool. He's like, but I told her. And I'm like, it's fine. No <laughs> one's mad at you. I think you're <laughs> mad at you. But then like, and then halfway through, he was like, wait. <laughs> I feel like I'm being close to sacrilegious right now, but it's <laughs> fine. Uh, he's like, wait. The spirit is telling me to say something. And at, right then I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah.
0: I can imagine saying nice to you. Like just seeing a look of just disdain come over your face.
1: <laughs> and he was like spirit is telling me to talk about porn i was like is that the spirit or you just know the demographic of the room you're talking to you know like i was kind of annoyed and then he was like porn i was like okay and then he was like now everyone go down and cry and talk to the people up at the front and i was like i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna do this and then i was like feeling convicted like i was like these are still my brothers and sisters in christ and like i can still experience god in it i say all the time like you're your preferences shouldn't hinder you from, like, speaking to God or from, like, connecting with God. So I did it. I went down there. It was fine. And (laughs) and So
0: is that nudge not – like, would you not say that was the Holy Spirit? Like, if you say you feel this, like, conviction to then move – like, I think – because you're one of the smarter people I know, and I think sometimes, like, when we talk about things, and I don't know that you're doing this now, but you, like, you have the – 500,000 foot view of something, right? And he's really high. And I think, like, in the midst of the conversation, like, you, like, it sounds like there's some interaction with something, right? Yes. Nudging you. Yes. And so, but, and I don't know if you, like, even heard yourself say that, or you're just over-jumping over, but it's like, if to me listening, I'd be like, well, it'd be like the nudge of the Holy Spirit to be like, even if it's not your preference. Now, I don't know that this guy had the Holy Spirit fill so and be like, now's the time to talk about porn. But, yeah. like, I think in what I hear from you, even as you spoke, I mean, it sounds like that's you interacting with the Holy Spirit and nudge that's happening in that.
1: You know, I like that. I, I do like that. How? Mm, this is, I thought of this as you were talking, and I think this is my struggle with the Holy Spirit. Um, I I saw this thing somewhere, and it said, like, one of the most harmful things the church has done has taken your inner critic and called that God. Hmm. And that felt very true to my experience of, like, it's hard for me to listen to something internally because often it's very dark in here. Like, it is often, like, about how Emily sucks and, like, all that. And part of that is, like, theological. But then also for so long, I was like, no, this is how God wants me to be thinking. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, in that moment, I can see it in a different light and say maybe that was the Holy Spirit. But there was also like, that wasn't devoid of shame. Yeah. Is there was part of it was like, Emily, you're such a hypocrite. Like it's hard. The accuser also comes in so fast. So I think my relationship with the Holy Spirit is difficult because for so long, I thought that the, Ooh. For, <laughs> I think it's hard for me to listen to the Holy Spirit because for so long, I thought the voice of the accuser was God's voice, was the Holy Spirit's voice.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about, like, for you and for anyone who's listening that's, like, in a place where they've moved out of a pretty, like, shame, a lens of shame of how we encountered God in Scripture. Like, what I think is interesting is that you have a lot of rewriting that is needing to be done of the stories you've been told about yourself and interacting with God and, like, the way that you perceive and maybe what you perceive to be the voice of God as you're, like, in that because... Like and we've talked about this a ton, like most of the inner dialogue you have in relationship to you, God, and all that is like Emily sucks, but God tolerates my suckiness. And the best I can do is tell other people how much they suck and invite them to know that mm-hmm. God doesn't hate. Th- I don't know. Right. So it's like there's this shame lens that's over it or like this guilty lens. And so like and my, from my perspective, it's like when I think of my interactions with like the Holy Spirit and the inner monologue I have it's not the the accuser. It's not uh, like mine's my inner dialogue or the Holy Spirit or whatever you want to call it gasses me up a lot more than it pulls me down. Right. Like I get a lot more like affirmation in mine. Hmm. And so, but to say that I also get conviction. Like there are times where I'm like, I feel like I, and I don't always respond to this, but it's like, I know this is wrong. And mm-hmm. then that's like, it's like, I don't know if you call that your moral compass or whatever. I would say it's the Holy Spirit communicating with me, but it's I like, I think we have way more interactions, but it's the, what we've been taught, the stories we've been told, the way of interacting will inform how, like, I think about, like, if you and I were texting each other, I could text you, hey, four different ways, and the way you perceive it may not be the way that I perceived it, and so your mood, your, like, what you think about me as a person, what you're going on in that moment will inform how you receive it Mm. doesn't mean that message was any different doesn't mean the words are any different Mm. but the space that we're in to hear those words will impact how we receive them and so i think that's what i hear in some of this is like the things we've been taught inform how we read the messages that we're receiving
1: but you receive messages from so many things like there's so much going on up in here yeah and i don't so i've just like I think I just gave up. Like, I Hmm. remember being in second grade. I was in the lunchroom. I don't remember what I was thinking about. But I remember thinking about something and then hearing something in my brain and being like, I think that that was, like, from God. And then I was like, but how can you know it's from God? And I'm like, what if this voice is Satan? But what if this voice is Satan? Like, it was also like, what is Satan doing up in here? Like,
0: it was But you've been taught to not trust yourself. Like, the ultimate idea of, like, you've been taught that Emily – can only do wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That Emily, or that you're, you've been taught there's this one way to believe things Mm -hmm. and that um, any divergence from that is the sinfulness inside Emily, right? And you said this before, like, that Emily was taught you couldn't be trusted, right? Like, in your inner monologue. Mm. And so, like, all of those things are, like, in discerning the voices and all that are true. But again, like, it's informed by what you were told was true about you up to that point.
1: So do you just like trust that, you know, when it's the Holy Spirit and when it's not?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, the reality is like, I don't feel like I'm like texting with the Holy Spirit all the time, right? Like I was just talking to someone else about this. Like if I'm being super honest, like I feel like I'm going through a season that's been like quieter than most. And like, I don't know that I'm not discouraged by that or encouraged by it, but like, so, but I don't know. I think that it takes discernment and prayer and like, does this seem like it's something that is in the character of God and something that I know true to be of God. And, um, but I'm also pretty skeptical of Holy Spirit. So, like in my seminary, we didn't have a charismatic day, as you called it, but we had like a, uh, one as part of a weekend intensive or a week intensive class. And like it ended in worship. And it was just like the guy was like, everyone was like laying hands on each other and everyone was like speaking in tongues. And people were like convulsing on the ground. And like there was like a, just a ton of stuff happening. And I'm like a pretty, spiritual person. I'm also a pretty logical person. And so I, in that moment, it was like, I don't know if this is BS or if this is legit or what, but I say, like to say like, I have like my own level of skepticism about how we interact with the Holy Spirit and how much is trusting myself and how much of it is like fabricated by myself and how much of, but none of that negates that. I'm like, I believe the Holy Spirit to be real and active and prevalent in my life.
1: And like, yeah, I do. I don't not believe in the Holy Spirit, but functionally, I feel like I live as if the Holy Spirit yeah. doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. When I went like when I went to get ordained, we had to like do these we had to submit a bunch of papers uh, to be reviewed and read and we had to do like these oral interviews and one of them was on the Holy or the Trinity and the Holy Spirit. And like my first time I came in, uh, I like I thought I gave very theological, eloquent answers. And they were like, It'd be much better if you just said this was a mystery rather than trying to pretend like you know what the answer is because, like, we'll read a 100 papers and someone's going to say something. To, like You know, it say yeah. exactly like that. But that was really helpful for me to be, like I, like, I rest much. And we've talked about this before, too. Like, I'm very okay in the gray. But in this, I kind of, like, rest in the mystery of it. Mm. Um, because it is, like, so many of the metaphors and analogies that we use, like, don't stand up and are confusing uh, as we try to describe the Holy Spirit. But I don't know. I think it's interesting, like, how does this conversation, uh, and this is a legit, I'm not trying to be, like, a smart enough. like, how does this conversation relate to your deconstruction? Like, does your thoughts of the Holy Spirit engage in your internal or external dialogues around deconstruction?
1: Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people are, whether it's Matt Chandler or people in my life who are, have had more Holy spirit e experiences it feels like a lot of people are negating my experience with god because i have a hard relationship with the holy spirit Hmm. and so they're like i had someone tell me like i don't understand how you even have like a little bit of faith left if you've never experienced this like charismatic like just experience god Like, that's all I'm clinging to. And I was like, well, that's not what I'm clinging to. And when I see that, I see a lot of manipulation. Yeah. Which is maybe a different conversation, but it's like, I get, it goes back to like, it gets in your head. Like, I can say that I've experienced God and I've experienced a God that is infinitely knowable. And that is so beautiful to me and feels so true to like, what I deeply long for, which is to like always be being like, I don't have a good, like something always capturing my attention and my interest. Mm-hmm. And that is something God has done for me. Yeah. And maybe I didn't feel it in my like, like I didn't get all like cryy or yeah. sometimes I, I cried like, and. I mean, I didn't speak in tongues or I didn't, like, we weren't hand raisers, but that, it frustrates me because I feel like when people hear my relationship with the Holy Spirit, they think that's the reason for my deconstruction. Hmm. And that is, like, getting on my nerves.
0: That's interesting. Did that
1: Was that voluble? Yeah. Okay. yeah. The,
0: I think it's interesting because it's, like, in one breath, you could probably have a conversation and say that God is infinitely knowable, right? But then to say I haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in this specific way, you're even then be like, well, maybe God isn't infinitely knowable if I have to experience this God in only one particular mm. way. Mm. And for me, I think like that, that would be really discouraging. So I can, I actually, from even like when you opened up, saying like I'm kind of tired and like I'm discouraged, like I would be discouraged too. if that was in people that are in this journey of deconstruction probably hear similar statements, whether it's in regards to the Holy Spirit or any part of the faith that they're Wrestling with right, yeah, and it's not even like you're wrestling with this. You're just like, I haven't had this same experience as you, right? Mm, mm. And I think that's what's difficult for me. It's like it's it sounds like someone projecting the way that they came to know Jesus and what has been formative for them onto everyone else, right? But it's like not everyone has that road to Damascus conversion experience, right? Like, and we talk about that as like a conversion experience, and I preach on it. People have. But have we said that's the only way that people can come to be converted to know Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, right? Like that's not how it works for everyone. Um, and so I think that's like an interesting thing to be like, does one specific way it happened because it's meaningful for you? Does that mean what it has to be for everyone else? Because again, like when we talk, like I hear, like I hear you, whether you're aware of it or not, I feel like you're talking about a Holy spirit in engagement with, god in mm. different levels and so like i'll be like oh we can't, we can't. and i'm also never like laying up and i'm like jeez i hope that emily encounters the holy spirit <laughs> so like it's yeah. not, it doesn't keep me up at night <laughs> but like when we talk i hear you having like those things woven into the way mm. you communicate and the way you experience and communicate about god and so from my perspective as like a friend it's frustrating because it's like it sounds like you have again like in the same way matt chandler did like chopping something out it's like it's caused you to question in a way that seems like there wasn't as big of a question there. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's caused me to question if I had, if I had experienced God differently than I, which is what Matt Chandler said. Yeah. Like that. And it gets, like, it gets to you, even though like, again, 500,000 feet view, I can be like everyone from so many different, walks of Christianity are deconstructing and finding something more in the middle ground. But it's just like, I, it invalidates all of the good ways that I've experienced God up until now, when people blame the way you experience God on your, or blame your destruction deconstruction on the way you experience God.
0: Yeah. But that's the name of the game, right? Like that's what folks are doing. Like around the table, it's like you see the th- like you see the thing that's the easiest to call out, or whatever, or the thing that seems like it's the issue to try to. Because that's what I find really frustrating about the deconstruction conversation. Because like I could have a conversation with someone that's very anti it, but they would be very curious in the conversation, mm-hmm. and then five, ten, whatever minutes in, there would be some retort back for like, "Well, this it sounds like this is why you're doing that, right?" And I think that's where for you and for many people that are in this journey, uh, we probably all connect with this. And the idea that's like you found something to be true and you made that uh, mm-hmm. artificial pressure point that maybe wasn't actually part. Because in any of our conversations about deconstruction, like I would say your, interac- your inter- interaction and engagement with the Holy Spirit hasn't even really like crossed the radar of that conversation. right? But for this person, they're saying the reason you are is because you haven't had enough engagement with the Holy Spirit, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I would say it's like I think in multiple people. I I'm, I'm very much I know that my upbringing was the extreme of like not a lot of feeling. And so a lot of people who speak in my life who are outside of the PCA mm. would say that. Interesting. And so it's like but also of course they would do that because of course anyone would do that especially if they're still in the church because we feel like we have to blame deconstruction on something so blame it on other denominations we're just that's we're vilifying each other
0: yeah yeah a lot less collaboration in this uh this Christian movement
1: <laughs> it's like well just come over here like yeah those idiots don't get it
0: right but it's also I mean we're part of the problem in that too in some ways right like in the way that we speak against the ex-evangelical movement in some ways right like and I get I'm not saying that There's like, I think there's need to speak against things, but there's become this like tribalism that's really pervasive. And I think deconstruction at the core of that, like, it's kind of like, you know, when you're like, you're like at a baseball game and people like pushing the giant uh, beach ball around. Have you ever seen that, like the inflatable beach ball, like pressing it around the crowd? Uh Like, that's what I feel like people are doing. Like, the beach ball is deconstruction. It's like coming into their core and they're like, no, it's your guys' fault. And they like hit it back over there. And like, no, it's your guys' fault. And they hit it back over there. And it's like, I think everyone is just trying to figure out who to blame it on and what to blame it on. And like, I would take the stance of that's nothing to blame it on. If we believe that it's a, but again, my lens is through, I think that this is really a path to discipleship.
1: And that, I mean, but that's it too. Is like, why are we so focused on finding the root and finding the blame? It is way too late in this deconstruction game (laughs) to be like, let's go back to the root and just tie up a few loose ends and it'll be fine. Like, I just don't – what's the point? Yeah, sure. Maybe we can say there are some things that we see consistently in people's deconstruction journeys that maybe as a collective the church could, like, think of. But but I don't see a lot of churches, like, really taking um, responsibility. They just are blaming instead. And so it, there's not really a point then to look for the root if you're just trying to blame someone else. Just walk with me on the journey.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the other thing, too. It's, like, if you're an ally to someone that's walking through deconstruction, like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or tell me if you have a different perspective. I've
1: never heard that called an ally before, yeah, but well, I like it. I don't
0: know. I can not think of a better word. Uh, a friend <laughs> to the movement. <laughs> um, like, walking with that person at space, not trying to, like, fix them yeah. is – I think a really important thing to do, like we used to talk about this when I was a youth pastor. It's like we we're trying to get more people to invite their friends to church, right? And it's like, well, you need to invite them because they're people and they're not like projects, right? And like, Yeah. But I think it's really hard for us to really embrace that because you care about something so much for people, it's their faith. And they see maybe a scarcity of where someone in deconstruction sits and like, well, then I'm going to, my project is to like fix you. And I think, for people in the journey of deconstruction, it's like, I want to be loved. I want to be in a relationship. I want to be walked with. I don't want to be your project to be fixed. Like, I just want you like, be with me.
1: Even if you see that it's causing me pain, you trying to fix it will not help.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting. And I think it's hard. And it's one of the things, I hope that as we continue to do this, like more people engage that maybe aren't a part of deconstruction. Cause I think hearing mm. things like that are helpful. Cause I think, it's, I feel like deconstruction has been around for a whole long time, but there's a lot of people like, I didn't have a name for this, or I didn't know this existed. And I think knowing whether you're the one going through it or you're walking alongside someone, I think it's helpful to know like some of the feelings and emotions that are in it. And what are some of the most helpful ways to journey that? Cause you can do really harmful things both in, as the deconstructor, the, the person walking alongside them. Um, if you like come at it from the wrong direction. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's a, I think that's a great thought. Mm. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should wrap it up. I feel like it was a pretty good combo.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I think it was. And I think it, it's uplifting for me just to hear you come in and like, share like, Hey, this is where I'm at. And like, this is what I'm wrestling with and give some real world examples for others that are listening, but also just for you to be like, Hey, like this is where I'm at let's talk through it and verbally process it. But I think other people as they join in, I think like we've talked about this before a million times, like this can feel really isolating. Mm. And so realizing you're not alone and you're not the only one that has these experiences, I think is really helpful.
1: And that's like, I wasn't even really planning on saying like, I guess being this vulnerable today, but it's been interesting doing this podcast. I've loved doing it and I've loved meeting new people through it and hearing what they've said but sometimes i get in this space where i think that i'm this like authority on deconstruction now because we have this platform and that now like i have to get through it so that i can like lead people through it when Mm. in reality like i what we started this podcast to be and what i hope that it is is just like us being really honest and having conversations that we were having one-on-one anyway. Yeah. And just like today I was like, I'm going to talk about that. I'm not doing it because that is, instead of this being like a how-to on deconstruction, I hope it's just a representation of deconstruction.
0: That's good. I like that. Yeah. Well, Well. before we sign off, I'll say I've gone back and re-listened to a bunch of the episodes. and. There's one where we try really hard to fight with each other. And it was the funniest thing I've ever Like, We should (laughs) fight with each other soon.
1: I think in the next episode we will.
0: All right. Let's make it happen. Okay. All right. Send us out. All
1: right. Uh, Thanks for listening and embrace the journey.